You do not have to follow me long to know that my love of libraries runs deep. I grew up going to the library and I'm raising my kids to love the library. Today I have a special guest with me, the director of my local library. Alyssa Williams is here to share with us some of the lesser known resources and services available from libraries. It's so much more than just books. I'm Carly Hill, and this is another episode of the Debt-Free Mom Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped people like me get smarter about things like saving on travel, spending less on airfare leaves more money for food and fun, putting away money for retirement, hate to break it to you, but I don't plan on doing this podcast forever and saving up an emergency fund because life is like a movie. It loves a good plot twist. The good news is we can learn how to be prepared for those twists and turns. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Today's episode is very special to me because we have my local librarian, director of my actual local library, here to share about how valuable libraries are to communities and to people. I am a huge fan of the library. I'm a huge fan of taking my kids to the library, whether we're at home or traveling. And so my hope with this episode is to share with all of our listeners how valuable their library is more than just books. Alyssa and I both live in the same town, and we live in a smaller town. I think we have like 16,000-ish, I think, growing. My point in saying that is that we're not one of those towns where it's like a museum on every corner and like all these constant activities that families can do. And so I love coming to the library. And Alyssa, I'd love for you to share with the listeners, what is the goal of a library? Like as the you know board gets together or the employees, like what is their aim for uh, being in the community and what are you trying to offer? Our mission at our local library is to connect people to books and resources and to the community. So we do that in a variety of ways. I know that for me, as when my kids were really little, I would take them to the library to check out books and bring books home. But when they were really small, I that was really the first time that I realized like, oh, this can become a place for us to go. Like, I think a lot of parents have those go-tos that you cycle through of we really like this park or on Fridays we go eat at the Chick-fil-A and play in the playground. And the library became one of those things to me. And I think trying to go back to basics and and put myself in the shoes of some people listening, some might not yet even know what's inside their local library. And so realizing that like there's probably a whole toy corner and there's a bunch of puzzles and like you can check out a lot more. Uh, Everybody who saw me doing all the jigsaw puzzles at Christmas time, they came from my library. Like they didn't come from Amazon and they didn't come from Walmart. They came from the library. So I love that libraries are so much broader than just come find a book. They're really, like you said, about a community connection and actually bringing people in. So for parents who are listening, maybe they have small kids and they have an idea where they're like, I want my child to grow up to be a reader, to grow up to like books. What is something you would tell parents about getting kids into the library? Like, how do they start that love of reading if maybe their kids are only like two and three. How can the library help facilitate that for those little, little ones? Well, every library has story time for little kids. Like we're known for story time. So, and that's a great way to, for parents to meet friends maybe. Cause I know for like, for me with my own children, 
I didn't start making a lot of mom friends really until my kids were in school. Mm -hmm. But those littler years, if you can get into, we have watched so many friendships blossom from our um, Friday story times. But you can just come and hang out, as you were saying. Um, Most libraries have a play space. I feel play is very important in our children's area. We don't have technology in our Mm -hmm. children's area. Mm -hmm. We have play space because play is how kids learn, especially that zero to five set. And so we invested heavily in having the kitchen and the dolls and different activities where kids can really just come and parents and meet your friend for a coffee and sit and you can chat and your kids can play. As you mentioned, we have puzzles. We have puzzles for Mm -hmm. adults, but we have puzzles for kids. So those simple, basic puzzles, you can check them out. You can do them here. We do want people to come and spend time in the library because just being around books, even if they're not reading the books, Mm -hmm. even if they're just playing, those are all early literacy skills that they're going to be around and pick up. Yeah, for sure. And I know for my kids with getting into books too, it, just having the physical space of the play space be, like you said, kind of surrounded by books. They would, especially in those little years, they would spend most of their times playing with the trains and stuff, but they would then just randomly, because they like to grab whatever they see, they would grab a book off the shelf or they would look at something. And so I always loved feeling like they were occupied and they were enjoying the toys. And it gave me a chance to kind of browse through the children's books and find things I hadn't heard of. Every parent knows that like there's those three books that you own and your kid just wants you to read the same ones over and over and over. And so I loved finding like, hey, this kind of looks like Goodnight, Goodnight construction site, but maybe mommy can read something different tonight. And finding those ideas is, is so fun, especially I, I know that my library attendance upticks in the winter as we're just like, OK, where do we go? What do we do? Especially I found we used to live on the same street as a library. And so we would often walk over there and a lot of the kids go in the morning and around story time or lunchtime. But sometimes in the winter when it was already dark and I was like, what in the world do we do? We would just walk or drive down to the library and the kids area was like virtually empty around dinner time. But we could because we were close, we could just kind of go play. And and that became such a comfort routine for the kids and for myself. And then as they've gotten older, my older boys now love to read and I can't even check out books fast enough before they fly through them. And I really do think that a large part of it was just that they don't even remember not being at the library, right? Like not going there. And so I I love traveling too and being able to see other libraries. And we recently went to Wisconsin and visited the Madison Central Library on our way up. And that was another thing that a lot of people who actually like messaged me and they were like, I would have never thought of going to the library. Just like not even we weren't even in the town that we were actually staying in. It was just like a pit stop along the way. But for us, a library has become such a little just a safe place. And in the same way that you know that at any town like that is going to have a McDonald's that you can grab a Happy Meal, any town, I mean, if it's larger than like, I don't know, a couple thousand, it's going to have a library too. And so we loved visiting there and seeing that. So as we think about like the resources that you guys offer, obviously everyone knows books. What are some of the unconventional things where you're like, hey, people might not know that libraries often have this? Sure. So a lot of libraries have what is called a library of things. And so they'll have a variety of things that you can check out. And there are libraries in our area who have cake pans. Libraries have tools. 
we haven't done that as much here, but we do, we have Wi-Fi hotspots. So mm -hmm. if you were, if the place you were going to didn't have Wi-Fi, you could have taken a hotspot with you mm -hmm. so that you didn't have to burn through all your cell data or use a lot of that. So, and those are extremely, it is amazing to me how popular the Wi-Fi hotspots are. Or even if you're just going on a vacation and you're in a hotel and you don't want to pay off the hotel charges. Right. We, we have magazines. I know magazines are sort of this thing that it's not as popular anymore or they're going away, but, but we subscribe to magazines. You don't need to subscribe mm -hmm. to People Magazine. I, we get it here at the library every week mm -hmm. for you. Newspapers. I mean, there's a whole thing in our town with the newspaper switch to mail delivery yes. and everything. <laughs> and it's expensive. So we have a digital version that is the photographic. It looks just like browsing through the newspaper. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have printers anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we offer printing and computers. And I think people realize we have that technology stuff. Tickets to museums and local mm -hmm. attractions. I know you've used that yeah. before, I think. Yeah. What is it? In Illinois, it's called, a lot of our listeners are Ex Illinois, so I'm trying to remember what it is. Explore more. Explore more. Yeah. So it used to be, we started using it when it was like physical, like I had to physically walk in yes. and there was like a folder and we took that paper yes. and now we can do it online. But it is <laughs> like you put in your library card and it, it connects to where you are. And, and I think we get like four a year or something. I'm not sure. But it is for our family, for a family of six. I mean, it is no small thing. I think we went to a museum where it would have been like $95 for our family to go. And we just used the Explore More Illinois through our library card, which is amazing because it, like you said, it, it all goes back to that like community connection and wanting to get people into these things, into these resources. And so it exists far outside your building itself. And I know some libraries even have, well, like you said, the puzzles and stuff, but even one of my kids checked out a, a Nintendo Switch game. And so just little things like that, where it's like, that's a $60 game. If we bought it, they might not even like it. And so even just being able to try different things and then be like, oh, we actually do like and use this and then we can buy it. But the library uh, might have it. Tony's, like, have you guys listened to the Tony's? Tony like boxes. Box yeah. Yeah. So libraries have those. Okay. In fact, we just, I think, are putting out a kit. So that's the other thing. Like, we have what we call STEM kits or learning kits. And so like if you're teaching your child to tie it, her, their shoe, mm -hmm. we have a big shoe that you can practice on. Yeah. And like a book and some other fun things. In and there. don't you have a um, like a dental kit or something? Like if kids are mm -hmm. going to the dentist soon, there's like a whole thing that they can like practice and get to familiar with it. Yeah. We have a, we have a dental kit. We have like a pretend veterinarian kit. And, but we also have like some some science stuff too where like like you, like you guys could check that out and mm -hmm. do that over winter break as an activity where you you turn mud into something or you grow something um, yeah or you look at the stars we have like a solar one too oh, cool. so I, i'll have to get that one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we have all these technology kits we have the video games we have board games mm -hmm. again kind of that try before you buy mm -hmm. so there's lots of different things that we offer beyond the book that people, I think you just need to ask. Every library yeah. is different. I know what most of our regional libraries have. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if your kids have experienced this yet, but where they might have to do a, a homework assignment and look something up. You know, we subscribe to like World Book Encyclopedia is now online. Mm. It's not the big encyclopedia yeah. sets you may 27 remember. 27 volumes. <laughs> yeah. So we have 
So if your kid's really into something, and actually we do still keep an encyclopedia in the kids' department because it checks out because kids like those kinds yeah. of facts and yeah. things. But, you know, if your child's in school and having to start doing some of that research stuff, you can access a lot of those databases mm-hmm. too online. You So um, there's just a variety of things. Okay. So especially let's talk about those online resources because that has been something I would feel like over the last even just like year to year and a half has really upticked how much is available. We started with Hoopla and now we have, what was it, Overdrive or something that went into Libby. Um, So what are some of the ways that without having to walk in and walk through your aisles and find something, what are some ways that people could on the go take advantage of the resources that the library has so that instead of maybe they trying to reduce their expenses and they want to cut their Audible subscription, how could they replace that with what their library offers? We have three different ebook providers, oh, okay. digital, audio, and ebook. So most libraries across the country are going to have Libby. Some of them have Hoopla. And then we in Illinois have what's called eRead Illinois. Libby, which is the most common, connects to your Kindle. So you can read your books on your Kindle device. And then there's a ton of audio available through there. So if you wanted to cut your Audible subscription, you just get the the app on your phone and listen through your phone just like anything else. So the differences between Hoopla and Libby and why libraries might have both is Libby is a traditional library model in that the library pays for the books in our collection and you check it out. So then I can't check it out. I have Mm -hmm. to put a hold on it, just like a physical book in the collection. Hoopla is a multi-access. So you want this audiobook and I also want this audiobook. We both can check it out. And the library pays a per piece price for it. I can provide access to thousands of titles and you pick what you want. And then I pay when you check it out. So that's why libraries have, and that's why they're different. And that's why they have different catalogs. And yeah. I just like to explain that because as we were talking before, that behind the scenes thing is kind of fascinating. Sometimes people don't realize what we have to go through. Yeah. The, sometimes people in different states are telling their friend like, oh, go read this book. It's on Libby. And they're like, no, it's not. And it's because they're attaching to totally different catalogs. But if their friend can find it on Libby, <laughs> then it's available it's in the possible. catalog. That, and they could ask their library to buy it. Okay, so let's shift into that. I had said ahead of time that I wanted to talk about that. That was a new thing for me, realizing that we can ask as patrons of the library, you guys want us to say when we're looking for something and we notice that it's not there. So tell us about that, like why it's actually helpful for you guys if people don't just walk in, they're like, oh, shoot, they don't have that book and they walk out. Like, why do you want to hear from people in that situation? Well, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning about our mission is to connect people and to connect to our communities. So one of the reasons we have a library that is our library, single branch and not a countywide library system, is so that we can be responsive to our community. Mm -hmm. So knowing what you want and knowing that if I buy this book, someone's going to read it. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I buy books and I'm like, I don't know if we're going to read it. (laughs) I mean, most of the time, yes. But there have been, you know, there have been times where maybe something hasn't resonated. So it is important to let us know what you want to read because Mm -hmm. that helps us make more informed collection decisions. And that is both for books in physical format as well as the digital collection, especially Mm -hmm. because I didn't get into this earlier, but the 
the digital formats, I mean, you might be able to see it on Amazon and buy a digital copy for your Kindle for $12.99. I'm probably going to pay $60 for that same book. Okay. Or I'm going to pay $60 to have one copy, one user license, mm-hmm. or I'm going to pay $24.99, but I only get that title for 12 months. Okay. There's all these different lending models yeah. of digital. It's a whole thing. I don't really want to get into the yeah. about it, but I just want people to realize that it's not, I'm not buying them through Amazon. Right, because like right. you you're not just buying the book. You're buying the license, the permission license. to keep putting it out over and over. I've had a couple of experiences, like I said, within the past year where, because you follow me on Instagram and I'll say like, oh, I can't find this book. And then Alyssa will be like, oh, let me let me add that back into Libby. And I, I didn't in the series that I was reading recently, it was a four book series and three of them were in Libby and one of them was not. And I was like, oh, that's odd. And then Alyssa was actually the one that messaged me and was like, oh, you know, thanks for letting me know, because I'll, I'll put that fourth one back in the catalog. It might have expired. And so I, I have come to now realize, like you said, to just talk to them, to just like if you're looking for something, people don't choose to work at the library and then hope that no one talks to them, right? Like they're they're choosing to work at the library because they want to help people. Like it's a very helper career, I would say. Anybody who's working there, like they want people to come talk to them. And so I have always found, no matter who I was talking to, if I was like, hey, I'm having trouble finding this, sometimes they can just find it at another library and get it transferred over. But other times, if they truly don't, each time I've done that, it's been like, oh, let me, you know, let me write that down. That means we need that book or whatever. They're always enthusiastic about that. Yes. And that's just what makes the library a reflection of the community. And then knowing someone's going to check it out. And then you can tell your friends, oh, I got this at the library. And Mm -hmm. you know that they, that they have it. But yes, we all want to help them. Librarians are not, you know, we need to break that stereotype that we want you to be quiet Mm -hmm. and we all wear cardigans and buns. I mean, we do wear cardigans. That's true. (laughs) But the library is a lot different place than it was 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and even 25 years ago. This is my 22nd year working in libraries. Okay. And it is, I've seen a lot of change, mostly because of technology, mm-hmm. but also just in how people use it and more people coming in and the, the importance of play and the play spaces. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, you can go into any library. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have to show your membership card at the door. Yeah. I also love to visit local libraries when I'm traveling. I take pictures and I bring them back. There's lots of free programs. Mm-hmm. I know it probably most people know about the summer reading program, but that's Mm -hmm. a great thing to do in the summer. Mm -hmm. Even if your kids, even if you think your kids aren't big readers or Mm -hmm. you're not a big reader, it's still creating that habit of a weekly or every two weeks we go to the library. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think when they're younger, like we were talking about earlier, having a weekly library stop is Mm -hmm. A great thing that you could do for your family yep. to introduce your kids to books so that they're always around books. They get familiar with the library mm-hmm. and, you know, you start them on that that path of early literacy. Yeah. I know. I know Kyle sometimes is like, why are you bringing home so many? I mean, my, you know, the stack is like this high and everybody's carrying some. But I'm like, that, that's kind of like the point. I was like, if you think about in, in terms of what the library has, what I just checked out is like a drop in the bucket. Like I didn't empty any shelves. I didn't whatever. And then what it does, I feel like sometimes if you have two two or three picture books, the kids might sit down, thumb through them, and then they kind of move on. I have trial and error found that when I bring that big stack so they don't even they're not even sure what's in it. 
I can kind of sit them all down and just put that pile and they're just like, oh, what's this one? What's this one? And um, trying to, I try to do a mix of things I absolutely know that they're going to pick up and open. Like my five-year-old is going to look at any Spider-Man book that I grab, you know, but then also trying to sprinkle in like other ones to broaden those horizons. And because they're just sitting there wanting to open and thumb through the books, then that makes them look at some of the other ones that they wouldn't have otherwise done. And I know just a plug for graphic novels. I have gotten into the world of graphic novels because of my boys and have been so impressed by how many different series there are out there. In my head, graphic novels, it was like the superhero kind of stuff. Like that was all that it like comics, basically. But I have found so many like truly adorable, sweet, like cute little series that the boys love to go through because my first grader has a very high reading level. But his interest is still very much in six and seven year old things. So he doesn't want these big chapter books. He still wants pictures in his books and he wants all of that. And so the librarians at our library have helped with like, oh, maybe this series would be good. Or, you know, he's found like Bird and Squirrel and PB&J and Owly and like all these really cute ones. I was just talking to a friend the other day where she was asking about how do you get your boys so interested in reading. I see you talking about them reading all the time. And graphic novels was one of the things I recommended to her because I was like, it's just going to feel like a fun book of pictures where they're going to like looking at what all what they're all doing. But there's enough words in there that they're like wanting to find out what's happening. And so we have, yeah, we very much dove into the world of graphic novels. And then have you done Wonder Book? With yes. your kids? Yes. Wonder Books, Wonder Books and Playaways. So the older boys like to listen to Playaways. And then my five-year-old is not yet reading, but the three boys share a room and we do reading time before bed. And so to help him be independent with that, I always try to have at least a couple Wonder Books so that he can thumb through some picture books, but then also p- plug some headphones into. So for those listening, a Wonder Book is, it just looks like a physical book. It just looks like the regular book. It could be a chapter book. It could be a kid's book. And then when you open the front cover, there's this like small, really skinny, it's very subtle, little electronic piece that has a couple buttons and a plug for headphones. And it will actually play. It's an audio book built into the physical book. So he can plug his headphones in. He can pause. He can play. He can rewind, fast forward. Um, And most of them also have like a reading version and you slide the little thing and it's like vocabulary builder or questions or something a little more than just the book itself. But those are amazing for independent reading. One, because I think kids are just drawn to like an electronic. So if they're like, oh, I have headphones on, I feel like I'm doing, you know, kind of like iPad kind of thing. But it's literally just an audiobook. I like to talk in the summer, especially with parents about listening is also reading. Yes. And you were talking earlier about what your one son who has a high reading level, but like a lower interest. Well, kids can listen at a higher level than what they can read at yeah. and they can comprehend it. It helps with their comprehension. And so don't discount audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Those are reading too. I always say there's three ways we read with our eyes, with our ears, and then some people read with their fingers, mm-hmm. which is brown. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think that helps, like you said, to like, especially because the Wonder Book is both. And so it's encouraging them to follow along. And so even though my five-year-old doesn't read independently yet because he's doing these Wonder Books and he's listening and it gives a little ding every time they're supposed to turn the page so they don't have to know what the words are. I know that he's 
still absorbing those early literacy skills, even just of we start at the beginning and then we turn the page to the right, you know, and like those kind of things. We just recently checked out the we have the book, The Book of No Pictures by B.J. Novak, but we checked out the Wonder Book that the library has because the Wonder Book is read by B.J. Novak. And it's just such a, if you have not read that book, it is phenomenal. It is, it literally is a children's book with no pictures at all, but it is so funny. The kids, I mean, we've had it for years and it doesn't matter how many times we've read it. They roll on the floor laughing when we do it. And so the wonder book, we, Kyle brought it home. He's like, I wonder if BJ actually reads this, which is Ryan from the office. And he does. We both put a headphone in and we're like, yeah, that's him. Yeah, that it's fun also when the authors read the books too. So yeah, I'm sure, um, and the voice is just more, you know, it's like their thing. It's they're they're into it, and so I yeah. What what's the other name like for those who might be listening? There's Wonder Books, but there's something a very similar name. Of I want to say it yes. starts with a V. Vox Books. Okay, I knew it started with a V. I could not remember what it was, but that some people when I mention Wonder Books, they're like, oh, those are called Vox Books at my library. It, that's just the publisher, like. There's two publishers who primarily do them. Make those. Um, yes. And we've also found, I, I actually first found them in, they were nonfiction books. So it was like National Geographic books, kids, National Geographic kids books that then read to them. And that was the first one we found them. And then I think, I think you guys have done a really good job of uh, suddenly increasing how many wonder books we had available. Because I feel like every time we go in, we're like, oh my gosh, there's another one. And like you said, with the chapter books, helping get that, especially I, I think if, you know, sometimes people have teachers or whatever that say, you know, oh, he's reading at a low reading level or whatever, which I have thoughts on that. But anyways, they can they can start to kind of at least push that top level of their reading by checking a book out that's reading to them while they're listening. And that's what we found, like my boys have done a lot of like the Big Nate books or the Diary of a Wimpy Kid. A lot of those are wonder books, which they like. And I didn't even know my, you know, eight-year-old, he has already read the book, but he'll just go back and listen to the wonder book because it's fun to have someone else read the story to you too. Yeah. And that helps, that repetition helps at this stage with comprehension and learning and vocabulary and stuff. So, I mean, you can always, don't be afraid if your kids are rereading books too. Like that's, Okay. So in addition to asking for something, if we can't find it, I learned over the summer when I did the book club for Debt Free Mom with the Psychology of Money that we could also donate and offer to donate things to the library, books to the library. So talk about a little, I know it'll be a a little bit different for every library, but at least for you guys, how does that work with like what I did where I was like, I'm I'm doing this book club. I really want this to be here. Can Can I donate a few copies? Sure. So again, because we want to support community connections, you know, that was an easy yes for me to say, yes, we'll add these to the collection. You're doing this. It's a win-win. A lot of people do like memorial books. So, or they'll do like, I've had some people do birthday books, you know, it's Mm. your birthday. We put a book in the collection for you. And so we'll do book plates and that kind of stuff as well for people. Donating a a book to the library can be, it varies widely, mm-hmm. but most people will will take it depending on your reason. A lot of what libraries do prefer, though, is that you give us the money and we'll purchase it right. through our supplier because, you know, we have to do back-end processing. And if you just give me a, a paperback off Amazon, I mm-hmm. still have to cover it and all that kind of yep. stuff. So most often, it's not that you're going to 
have a physical book that you're going to bring in and donate. I mean, you can, right? but they're going to prefer that you um, donate some money and then they'll purchase those books. And, you know, if you want a book plate in them, they'll put a mm-hmm. book plate in them. And I think that's even what we did for so that we could do like two physical and two on the two licenses on Libby that I just mm-hmm. told you that I that's what I wanted to do. You looked up in your catalog how much it was. And then I wrote a check for whatever that was so that those could be yes. added, which is really yes. cool. If you're not paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt-Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. And speaking of book clubs, that's something I've seen when I've gone to grab my holds off the shelf. I, I've been, I've done a few book clubs and that's never come up as an option that like we would even look into. So tell me about like I've seen I just the other day I was in there and I walked in and it was like seven copies of the exact same book on the hold shelf. So talk about how a if like a small group of friends maybe wants to do a book club and they're assuming it's just like, all right, everybody go buy it on Amazon. Tell us about what that looks like. So that looks different at every library, but I mean, anybody can place a hold on a book. You know, if you're in a book club, place the book on hold. If your library doesn't have it, chances are they're in a a shared system where they can get it from another library because libraries like to share. That's another thing we like to do. However, we offer support for book clubs. So we have, we run two of our own book clubs. So, you know, if you don't have a group of friends and you're looking this year to make new friends, join a library book club. You know, they're always friendly, welcoming people. So we have two book clubs that we run, but we provide support to local book clubs by the leader calls us and tells us, you know, we need eight copies or six copies of this. And we put all the holds on and they come in and they're on a shelf so that then whoever the members of the club can then come check them out. So yeah, we like to support reading in all different kinds of ways and and reading, especially book clubs. We can help you, you know, if you're wanting to start a book club, we have lists of, you know, popular choices or good choices. And we do reading lists at the library. So that's the other thing. Like if you're like, well, I'm not a big reader. Well, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. You don't have to be a, you you just have to be a reader to come to the library. And actually you don't even have to be a reader. Like if you want to get rid of your Netflix subscription. You know, we check out DVDs. Yeah. We have binge boxes. So, you know, you can ha- recreate that Netflix experience at yeah. home. And yeah, we out, don't even know. have a home DVD player anymore, but we have one in the van. So that's one of the things I do every time we go on a road trip is I go to the library and just check out a couple DVDs to watch for the van. And the kids always love, I always say one per kid. So they know to go over to that wall and they really take their time figuring out what's going to be the one movie that I pick. But yeah, going back to the book club, I just, when I loved that, I was like, oh, I love that because I think I would always think like, oh, well, my library doesn't have eight copies of that book. So, you know, we all just need to kind of figure it out for ourselves. But so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's cool that they can actually go through and do that. And with the interest thing, I know. So even if someone who goes into the library is not an avid reader, chances are the librarians are avid readers. So I know, like, I know my mom has done this. I do this too. Is sometimes I'll just say like, hey, I really love like Downton Abbey and the Crown. What books would like be in that vein of that interest? And they've, they've never been short of ideas of like, oh, this person always writes historical fiction in Britain or whatever it is. 
And so sometimes it can be daunting when you just like you're standing in the fiction section. You're like, all of these books are very different. I don't want to start a book and get a dud. And just asking them, either they'll, be, like you said, be able to look up like a list of that kind of category of books, or they might very well have recently read something like that or know what it is. And so that's always fun, too, to actually get like a personal recommendation instead of just looking through the open catalog yourself. One of the most popular things I do and one of my favorite things to do is for the last four years, I've released a summer reading guide for the library. So I read. I read a lot, you know, kind of my job. <laughs> So, but I read uh, as a librarian, I can get access to books pre-publication. And so I'll read stuff that's coming out in April, May, June, and then I'll put together this summer reading guide. And sometimes I, I get, a lot of times I get digital copies of the advanced copies, but sometimes I'll have physical copies and I'll give them away and I release my summer reading guide. And, you know, having a curated list, I think helps people. So yeah, never be afraid to ask for a recommendation if you don't want to ask, we have a tool, we have a resource for that. You know, we have a, a database called Novelist where you can type in your favorite author or the last book you read that you enjoyed and get a list of readalikes. And then, you know, so like if you don't like to talk to people, yeah. <laughs> you can you can do it on the computer. You can find um, it yourself. And a lot of libraries subscribe to Novelist or have features like that in their catalog. Awesome. So. And you're the you're the number one person who has always reminded me that it's okay to quit a book you don't like too. <laughs> yes, yes. So you were. I was going to say I'm that the worst you offender said, oh, of that. <laughs> if it's a dud, I don't want to. Well, but it's the books are free. You're not paying for them, right? And we don't we don't check to make sure. Oh, did Carly read this whole book? I'm going to give her a quiz. So yes, you could feel life is too short to read books you're not enjoying, and that I think is I've heard from a lot of people they don't want to quit, and so. They were reading one that was really good, so they were reading a lot, but then they got one they didn't like, so then they didn't want to mm -hmm. read. And I always say just, you know, if you're having trouble fitting reading into your life, one, put the Kindle app on your phone, download a book, and just read in those pockets of time when you're waiting. I always have a book with me. People make fun of me. That's fine. Yeah, but it can also, be. I think a lot of people have a goal right now, especially at the beginning of the year, to do mm -hmm. something other than scroll, right? We're always trying to do not have the mindless scrolling. And it can be almost like a cathartic replacement where you're like, it's on your phone, it's on the go. I think that's why we often scroll is because it's like, that's the thing I always have with me. If I have a physical book, I might leave it at home or it's just not convenient to bring it with me. But if you're like waiting in line at the pharmacy for 10 minutes and you have your phone, you could read a few pages of your book instead of scrolling through whatever you're normally scrolling through. And the other thing I suggest to people is to make it a habit, you know, set set a timer for 20 minutes and just say, I'm going to read for 20 minutes. Yeah. Because that small, those small chunks of time, just like you always say, you know, to put, put $20 into your yep. retirement account, just like the money thing, the small chunks of time add up and yeah. you can actually get through a book in 20 minutes a day, just sure. setting a timer. And sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to read. So I'm just going to set the timer. But then you get into it and you get to a good part of it or whatever. And you find yourself reading for a lot more than 20 minutes where if you wouldn't have set the timer, you might not have read at all on that day. 
Yeah, I think the big thing for me with quitting books is I don't know why, because like I quit TV shows all the time. I even quit movies when I don't like them. For some reason, I just have this hang up of like, well, I've started the book. I got to finish it. I got to, you know, like power through. But I remember there was one that I picked up. I think it was last summer. And I just I I grabbed it on a whim out the door because it was on one of the shelves. I loved what the way the cover looked. And then I started reading it and I was like, okay, this is a good book. And like chapter two or three, it became nighttime and like everybody turned into werewolves. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not a fantasy reader. (laughs) But you never would have known from like the cover, from the way it started. And so that actually, it was like such a hard switch that it was easy for me to be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not finishing this one. (laughs) Yes. Well, so if you have trouble, if you're not into it, this is the other thing you can do is you can then just skim. Like, chances are, if you're not engaged with it, skip ahead 50 pages, read a little bit. Mm -hmm. Does that sound more exciting? Nope. Keep going. Read the ending. And then you've basically finished the book. Just skip around a little bit and then finish it in your mind if that helps you. Yeah. That's where I'm at with that fourth book of that four book series is just yesterday. I switched from the physical book to the audio book and I went for a walk because I was like, I cannot leave the last third of the fourth book of a whole series unread. But I, I think it's because it was, it was a Christmas holiday series and now it's, you know, January. And so I'm like, I'm not in the Christmas mood. But I just, yeah, I switched from the physical book to it was oh. on, it was actually on Spotify Premium. It oh. was in, it's in the library as well, but there I needed to place a hold. Somebody else had it. Yeah. But Spotify Premium just started offering audiobooks and I had it on there. So I was like, I am going to finish this one. So yeah, there's all different ways. Reading looks different for different people and there's all different ways to do that and make that a part of your life. So to close up, if somebody's listening, especially if they have kids and they're kind of like, oh, outings are hard or, or I, I'm just like not into it, but I want my kids to be a reader. What would you encourage people to do? What would be some starting steps to getting involved so that they could realize what kind of resources a library has? Well, I would start with the library website. If you are like, oh, I can't get out or it's it's winter and I don't want to put them all in their snow clothes to come outside because it's going to get bitterly cold. Just look at your library's website and see what they offer and then maybe pick something, you know, maybe invite a friend to go with you. Say, hey, I saw the library has story time on Friday morning. Would you be able to come with me at 1030 and go with a friend? And then there's not that fear that you're going by yourself. So start with their websites. Those can be a good source of information. You can see exactly what resources your library might have. Because like we were saying earlier, you don't have to go into the library to access it. Maybe start by seeing if your library offers Libby or Hoopla and start with an audio or an ebook. I think it, with your kids, it's important to get them into the library. And maybe you say, we're just going to go and I I love timers. I'm like all into timers this year. We're just going to go. And if we only spend 10 minutes, we only spent 10 minutes and that's fine. We're just going to go scope it out. And I'm giving myself permission to leave. I'm not even going to sign up for a library card. Like I'm just going to see and just go and see what the vibe is. Because also every library has a different vibe. And you have to kind of figure that out for your own town. But I would encourage them just to go Maybe you go by yourself, you know, pick up some coffee and scope it out yourself before you bring the kids. Yeah. I mean, I would even imagine that like a library, you would make a librarian's day if you just came in and said, I've never been here before. Can you show me what you guys have? Oh, we love that. I was just like trying to picture. I'm like, I think if they had just like an open ended question of like, 
show me what's good about this place that it would be like, how much time do you have? (laughs) I also love to like sometimes when you take your kids to like scheduled activities and it does not go well, you just leave. I, I have many experiences in my life of starting the first 10 minutes of story time and then ending up out of story time. But the fact that it was like at the library, it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, he's not into it or he's losing it. So we have to leave. It was just like, let's mosey on over to the children's area and spend some time over there, too. So there's lots of different things for all ages. Well, and I will say, because I did encourage people to go to a story time, I want to just say that we as the librarians are not judging you for not having your child sit perfectly. We have a whole story time called Wiggles and Giggles. Yeah. Because we don't expect the one, two, threes to really sit for the story. We're used right. to them being up and standing up mm-hmm. in our faces. We're used to them walking around. That doesn't mean that they're not absorbing what's going on. Mm-hmm. And we've worked really hard in the last couple of years to really just make some small tweaks to help them get school ready. And to really ladder our programming. So we have one big kind of chaotic story time that's for mm-hmm. all ages, but then we have a special little thing called baby bounce. That mm-hmm. it's, it's like literally five to 10 minutes of actual program time. And then the rest of it is just time for you to have socialize your baby. Yeah. For you to talk to other moms. Then we have wiggles and giggles, which mm-hmm. is for that, you know, two and a half to three. And again, not a long program. Mm-hmm but just enough to get them used to a routine. Yeah. And we have something called preschool pals where we're trying to, you know, do those basic skills like mm-hmm. following a schedule. What's mm-hmm. the weather today? Things they might do in preschool. Yeah. So libraries can be really helpful, mm-hmm. especially if you're trying to save money and maybe you don't put your three-year-old in preschool. Right. Your library might have a program for mm-hmm. a three-year-old that is preschool-like yeah. or has some of those same skill Mm -hmm. opportunities that they might get in a preschool classroom. Especially if you live kind of in an area like ours where there's a couple little towns all around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you, like you said, if you're not sending a early three-year-old or something to preschool, if you knew like, oh, that town does story time on Tuesdays and that one does story time on Fridays, like that's about the same amount of time that a three-year-old goes to preschool anyways, right? You're getting so many of the highlights of the same thing. Well, awesome. Thank you, Alyssa, so much. I am always trying to tell as many people as I can to check out their libraries because I think that they're such a hidden gem that is so much more beyond just, oh, I love to sit and read novels every night that like you don't have to be that person to get so much true value out of a library. And so that's why I wanted you to come on as well and be able to share that with other people that as especially like you said, if they're trying to at the start of a new year, dial back on some of the spending where they're trying to spend in order to just get out of the house and find something to do, like make the library your go-to for that. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I love to share that libraries are more than just books, and I appreciate all you do to spread the word about how great libraries are. Welcome to Not Worth Your Money, the segment of the show where Carly and I talk about whether something is worth your money or not. And uh, usually Carly and I come up with these topics. Today, we have some listener-submitted topics, and I have no idea what they are. So I crowdsourced this. I put a poll up on Instagram and asked what were the topics that you would like us to discuss being worth or not worth our money. So one of the main themes that came up in several people's questions was cleaning of some kind. So the two that I'll throw out to it for us to discuss first were house cleaner or car detailer. I'll start with car detailer. 
I drive a 2006 Toyota Prius. I believe I've taken it through the car wash 10 times in uh, I've the, in the, the 10 <laughs> years that I've owned it. You've taken it through the car wash definitely more times than I have. I just don't value that. Okay, at so all. pause. Detailing is the inside of the car. It, yeah, right. I also, that's worse. I have never, I think I have twice in my life cleaned out the inside of my car. I just don't value that. I, I will make sure that there's not like heaps of garbage for sure, but it's not the primary mode of transportation for our children either. True. True. Which also means that the floorboards are not covered in Cheetos or McDonald's wrappers. I found a or... peanut butter and jelly crust yesterday. Nice. Nice. So I will say it's a little ironic because it's kind of role reversal on what we normally value for cleaning. I'm the more messy slash dirty. I have a higher tolerance for that in our home. But then he will go just months without even noticing that his car is nasty. And then I'll go in and clean it out. So I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just because you spend so little time there. Nobody sees it. I don't know. what. The... And it's just like only me yeah. driving it usually. Yeah. So I do value a an occasional car detail. However, I also get a lot of satisfaction out of being the one to clean it. And it just feels like it's such a small concentrated space where you can pull out, you know, your vacuum, your leather cleaner, your Windex or whatever. And then within the span of an hour, go from this car is disgusting to look how shiny new this car looks. So there's a lot of that, like you see the transformation from A to B. And so I enjoy doing that. I think it's a big care creates contentment because I think there is a lot of prone to discontentment with the vehicle that we drive, right? And cleaning it and making it feel nice is something that can increase our contentment. So I think detailing your car is valuable, whether you are the one that does it or whether you pay for it. I've gotten that as a Christmas gift before, and it's great. It's very nice to go in and go from nasty to very clean, and you weren't the one that had to sit there with a toothbrush and scrub it all out. So I think it can have a place in keeping your car well-maintained and then also keeping you content with the car that you are driving. Your car does not have to be brand new and super high value in order to do services like detailing. Like you can take a super old minivan to a detailer. So I'm I'm like a sometimes yes, sometimes like in terms of paying someone else to do it, I would do that in situations where it either got so nasty that it's beyond my help or just like as a gift to myself or, you know, like I think as adults, it's sometimes hard to answer the question, what do you want for your birthday? Or what, you know, like when a parent or something asks you, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? So maybe throwing it out that some of those cleaning services that you wouldn't normally pay for out of your own pocket could be something that you could ask for. Yeah. And I will say, you mentioned, you know, care creates contentment with detailing your vehicle. I'm content with my car. Like it just, it doesn't. <laughs> You're not having that problem. No, it's not like, oh, this car has gone months without being detailed. I'm discontent. Like I just, I'm fine. You don't mind. I'm driving yeah. it. So when, when I first got the little green machine, that was one of the first things I used it on because my last several vans have all had leather seats. And so I've had to do leather cleaner to keep those seats clean, but his car has cloth seats. And so when I got the little green machine, I think like three years ago, that was one of the first things I did. And I think I needed to do like two or three rounds on his seats. The seats had a pattern in the fabric that I did not remember being there. <laughs> Once I started actually cleaning the seats, I was like, oh, these do have like a 
two-tone pattern to them. I just thought they were a solid gray. I also think I soaked up an entire thermos of coffee out of the back seat. Like there was one corner where there's one of the buckles that comes up where the fabric kind of dips down. And I just held the little green machine handle down there and just you could see in the hose a <laughs> continuous stream of coffee that uh, coming out of it. So I I enjoyed cleaning your yeah. seats, even though I don't enjoy driving your car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the second one that's related then is house cleaner. I discussed this a little bit in my stories earlier this week when I took one hour to clean the first floor of our house. So I can share my thoughts in a second, but I want to know yours. Like you said with the car, I, I feel like our roles are definitely reversed here a little bit, just in the, our tolerance for like keeping things tidy or or clean. I, I'm much more particular about what that looks like inside of our house than I am inside of my car. And I don't know what the psychological forces behind that, but. That aside, I think I think it'd be fair to say you're much more interested in it being tidy than clean. Like you're, yeah. You are much more likely to clean up all the toys than to mop. True, <laughs> true. And so because of that, like the times where we have gotten a home cleaning service, I really like that because I do like intellectually have a value for it, even if I am un unwilling to do it myself <laughs> and you're very kind you don't ask me to do it no and i didn't tell you to say that either <laughs> for the record <laughs> no yeah i have i have a much it's not even a tolerance it's an awareness so that's one of the many things that i have learned about myself with adhd in the last couple months is out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Um, it's not that I'm seeing the mess and choosing to ignore it. It's that I'm not seeing the mess. So it has to get to a pretty high bar before I'm like, oh, that's pretty nasty under that table. I should clean. And then I usually do it in, you know, one big rush of either rage cleaning because something made me mad or stress cleaning or just like the other day, I, it was like the first time that all the kids were at school and or grandma's house for the first time since Christmas break. And so I, you know, turned a podcast on, put my tennis shoes on. So I felt like I was in work mode and did one hour of fully cleaning the first floor of the house. And then I'll probably go another four weeks of not even noticing whether it gets clean or not. So I, I do value choosing to delegate some of those things when it gets overwhelming. And it, it's all about deciding which resource is more available to you, time or money. And the answer will be different for different skill sets that you have and for different phases of your life. So that same question, is it worth my time or worth my money to have me clean it or to pay someone else to clean it? I myself answer that question in different ways, depending on what's available in our budget versus our schedule. Keep sending in or letting us know what you would like us to discuss because we were running out of things for, <laughs> for us to come up with. And it's kind of fun to hear what other people would like to decide is not worth their money or not. So Definitely. let us know. Yep. All right. Join us next time on the Debt Free Mom podcast. Thanks for listening to the Debt Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.